everybody. This is Joel Junker, and welcome to the first episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond for 2018. And in this podcast, I interview uh, Lydia Barrett. Uh, Lydia is a uh, former uh, Navy nuclear power surface warfare officer that I've known for two years uh, and met her many times before she uh, made the transition out of the military. I met her uh, when she was thinking about making the transition, uh, when she was stationed in Hawaii, several times when she was in Bremerton, Washington. And uh, I have really enjoyed working with her, helping her make the transition successfully to Stryker. And on a side note, she has been a mentor to my daughter, uh, who is attending Tulane University. And that's uh, where uh, uh, Lydia attended and graduated from uh, with, as well with a... Um, uh, bachelor's of biomedical engineering. Um, in fact, when I went and visited the school with my oldest daughter, when she was looking at it, there was the, the chair of the biomedical engineering department that still remembered Lydia from several years ago. And I think that says a lot about Lydia, who she is, and, and the type of person and leader and the impact that she makes. It's a great episode where she really explains what a quality engineer does, how she acts like a consultant, solves problems for the sales and marketing people at Stryker, as well as with customers. I hope you enjoy. As always, if you want to learn more about Cameron Brooks, visit our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. Pick up a copy of PCS to Corporate America from Amazon. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. All right, Lydia, welcome to the to the Cameron Brooks podcast. So, um, I introduced you just a little bit. You were at our January 2017 conference, so here we are uh, the December of 2017, this will be published um, in January, but it's been about a year. You made the transition. Tell us, tell the, the listeners what you do at Stryker. Well, thank you, Joel. Thank you for having me. I currently serve as a uh, divisional quality engineer here at Stryker. Um, and what that means is I handle post-market quality issues. So if you look at the life cycle of a medical device, you have pre-market, so prior to its launch, after it launches and it's live and it's in customer hands, you call that post-market. Um, and so what that means, the down and dirty of that, is that these you're dealing with issues that are relatively hot. Um, and so if an issue comes um, across my desk, it's always urgent. There's never a long timeline. Um, it's always fast. It's uh, I, I never know what I'm going to do um, when I walk into work um, as far as, like, what, what issue will arise. Um, I trend complaint data as well. Um, and what that means is I don't look at every customer complaint that comes in, but I look at trends. Uh, we have a great program that we utilize. So I can see if customers are complaining, complaints are increasing for a certain device and say, hey, and then go to the product engineers who have more of a technical input um, and say, hey, we might need to look into an issue that we might either have, do an opportunity for redesign. Um, and then I also work with uh, marketing. So if a sales rep is having an issue um, with a customer, and the, i.e. because the customer is having an issue with our device, I help the sales rep. Um, some, I can go to an account and help uh, serve as a quality representative um, of Striker. Uh, or I can arm the sales rep with data. You know, I can say this is what the customers complain about. This is the service evaluations on their device. And then we also do um, a process called uh, assessing a product field action. 
So let's say an issue um, gets to a point where it needs to be assessed as to whether or not we need to actively go out to a customer and take an action. Um, I will perform an investigation on that and present to a board of the VP of Quality, VP of Regulatory, um, Director of R&D. Um, so a lot of um, higher-ups in the chain of command here at Stryker um, and present the data and they uh, make a decision from there. Um, so there's a few hats that I wear, um, but I think my favorite part is, is the um, crisis management tools that I'm able to utilize. Are you working directly with customers or are you working with the sales, marketing directly out in the field, or are you solving for a problem? In <laughs> all of them. Do they come in to talk to you or are you on conference calls with them? So customers, the, it depends. So with the, the sales reps, we always like to sit, ask them, what do you want from us? What do you need from us to make your customer happy? Um, and so sometimes they'll say, I'd like you to come down, take a look at the device, talk to the customer, you know, represent quality at Stryker. So it could be going visit the account and talking to, talking to the customers. Um, I've been on a conference call with a customer before. Sometimes I've just worked with the sales rep. It just depends um, on the issue, on the, on the situation that's occurring. Now, what type of devices, medical devices, are you working with? Because Stryker's got a broad portfolio yeah. of products. So I work specifically at Instruments Division here in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, we, I represent our NSC product line, which is NeuroSpine and ENT, so a wide array of drills, attachments, cutting accessories for your spinal surgeries, um, ENT procedures. And I represent IVS, interventional spine, um, so you've got everything from radio frequency um, ablation to um, disc biopsy. And then I also represent our navigation line, which is a, uh, it's actually manufactured out of Freiburg, uh, Germany. So most of it is in Freiburg. I'm more of a satellite quality support for navigation, um, but that's another um, spinal surgery tools. And then um, I represent two uh, product lines from our surgical line, um, which is uh, Surgicount and Neptune, um, both very cool devices. Uh, Surgicount is uh, a really, really cool tablet that, so let's say you're in the middle of a procedure and you have sponges, right? You have a bunch of sponges. Well, sometimes you have the risk of actually a sponge getting left in a patient. Well, Surgicount mm -hmm. is a scanning tablet where you scan in every sponge, and so you keep an accurate count so you know you haven't left any in the patient. Um, wow, and then, that's really neat. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And it looks just like an iPad, but it's a striker at the top <laughs> and a, a cool cover around it. Um, um, Lydia, when, you, when you're doing – so when you've got so many different product lines, it sounds like you got a lot of those coming in. Is it like the report mm -hmm. come from the field, like, hey, this happened with this device, with this one time? Or is it you getting, in, like you said, your trend report, it's this trend report's coming and this is going on, we need to go fix it. How much is it, this happened, this device, this procedure, what went wrong? Or is it, hey, we've got a trend of things going on? It depends. That's a great question, Joel. So you can have something happen that is a serious injury or something um, that gets, so I don't look at every complaint. We have regulatory complaint investigators that do that. 
Um, and so they'll grab me and say, hey, Lydia, I just got this complaint in, and it needs to get escalated up to you. And so that could happen. So both could happen. They could, you know, okay. uh, labeling is a big uh, issue uh, with that we take very seriously. So if for some reason the manufacturing process, the wrong label was put on a uh, medical device, that's something that instantly gets escalated to me. Um, and then trending, we do trending once a week. Um, it's a code that we run. We have a data analytics engineer on my team. And so I can look at trends and see that it uh, surpassed a, a current threshold, um, a current being based on shipments of this medical device, we have a high number of complaints. And within our risk documentation, we should only have X occurrence rate. And right now we have Y. So it's both could happen. It just depends. How do you feel like you being a junior military officer, I think maybe for our listeners a little bit easier is to talk about a little bit about your education, what you did in the Navy. And can you dovetail that into how does that help what you did in the Navy, not just your education, to be an effective quality manager at Stryker? Yeah, so I did uh, biomedical engineering at Tulane. Um, and what's great about that degree, and I, well, first of all, I work with a ton of biomedical engineers from various universities. And we all say the same thing. It's this perfect blend of biology, medicine, and technology. Um, and you're learning a little bit about a lot of things. Um, but more importantly, you're learning those analytical tools. Um, and so after graduating from Tulane, um, I went into the Navy Nuclear Power Surface uh, Navy. And, you know, the first two years, I just ser I served as a conventional surface warfare officer to get my pen. Um, but you're learning that leadership, right? You're kind of being thrown into a leadership scenario where, you know, 20 to 25 um, sailors are looking at you bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, waiting for you to, you know, lead them to greatness. And so it's, you know, even that those first two years I'm, I'm utilizing now in my job, um, just being in, thrown into uncomfortable situations and being comfortable with the uncomfortable. Um, and then after that, going to nuclear power school where you're, you know, in an academic setting, but you're also drinking through a fire hose. So, you know, when I first showed up to Stryker and learning about all the products and learning how all these processes work and what is this corporate America, you know, you're still drinking through a fire hose and just being comfortable with that and taking it all in. Uh, and then after nuclear power school, um, serving as a division officer in the reactor department on board USS Nimitz, you've got two parallel jobs there working as a um, supervisory watch in the reactor plant. Um, during a shipyard period, which is extremely, extremely busy, fast-paced, you never know what you're going to walk into. You never know what casually may happen in the plant. You always have to be thinking on your feet. But then not only that, you have to lead, and you have to guide, and you have to be able to think quickly and think analytically quickly. Um, and so that probably best prepared me for my job here. Um, even though I'm an individual contributor, the, the gravity, um, of the issues that I deal with, there's a lot of influence without authority that occurs. Um, and so I found that, you know, at first it was like, oh, you know, individual contributor, we'll see how, how this is. And I don't even sometimes have to remind myself 
that, you know, I actually am an individual contributor um, because I'm in front of, you know, a board of VPs presenting quite a bit. What do you think that you bring to the table that's um, maybe uh, as a junior military officer, what do you think you bring to the table that maybe uh, try to answer the question in a different, in a, in a way that's, not putting anybody else down, but what is it about you or other JMOs you get to work with that you feel like you bring something additional to Striker that maybe they can't, they wouldn't get necessarily always from other sources? Um, not to reiterate what I said before, but I think I have found with with JMOs that I actually work with, um, some that came through the Kim Brooks pipeline here at Striker, um, is that we're just very comfortable with the uncomfortable and we don't mind walking into something that we don't know everything about. Um, we're good at planning and we're good with handling a very hard workload um, and staying positive through that. Um, because when you're leading through something that's arduous or difficult, it's a whole new level of um, understanding the situation and getting from point A to point B successfully. Because you're not going to go to your the people underneath you and tell them, well, I'm actually struggling with A, B, and C. You're not going to let them know that, right? You're going right. to um, try to put on a good face and, and you know, internally, maybe you have some internal struggles going on. You're not actually that 100% certain everything's going to work out okay. Um, but you stay positive. And I think that's probably um, a really big asset. Um, yeah, I work, it's so funny because I work with two Cameron Brooks um, GMOs and it's so funny because one of them told me the other day I said I said well we can have the meeting in January or I can try to set it up this week and he said I mean Lydia you know you and I both want to have the meeting this week because <laughs> we right. both just want to attack we just both want to attack the problem um, right and I think you know at, at Stryker it's it's very high achieving it's very high achieving um, and GMOs thrive in an environment like this. What would you say, so you've been there, uh, you probably started like March, April, eight, nine months, your whole transition now, starting in January, it's been one year. You got a group of people coming to the to our January conference. By the time it's published, they'll be doing it. But anybody that's making a transition in 2018, what would your advice be to them for the transition specifically? I think you can you cannot prepare enough for it. I think some people might be under the impression, you know, maybe you don't need to prepare that much, but I think preparing reading is very vital. I The other day, I happened to be in a financial talk with a couple of directors, and it was just because I interact with them on other issues, and they started talking about some financial terms. And I had read one of the books in the reading list, and it was just a crash course in learning some financial concepts you know, that I didn't know anything about. I was totally technical, pretty much my whole education past high school. And they said one of the acronyms, and I knew exactly what it was. And I could engage, not de deep, but it wasn't an in-depth conversation. It was just kind of a high-level overview, but I could engage in it because I knew what it was about. I knew roughly, you know, what it meant, and, and, and I could go from there. And I thought, man, preparation pays off. And so... That's probably my best advice um, is getting to know, not real in-depth, but just getting to know a surface level of corporate America and what you can expect. What can you expect the conversation to be about? 
What can you expect to be available for you to choose from, right? Like what kind of area do you think you'd be most interested in? Things like that. Um, so what would you say somebody for the first six months, you know, there's a book out there called the first 90 days. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe if you had to write a book from uh, Lydia Barrett's perspective, the, the first six months, what would you say to somebody? This is what you need to do in your first six months to establish yourself in a company and get off on the right foot. Um, well, and I think you and I, you and I have talked about this before, uh, relationships with others has been my best asset, um, pretty much my whole life, but then especially at Stryker. Um, you want to be someone that people want to work with because while being smart, having good ideas, having a good product to bring to the table is great, right? You, you want that, but you also got to be someone that they would want to go to. They would want to call and, and communicate and just really link arms with you and trudge through some stuff with. And so you want to establish that right off the bat that you're approachable, that you're communicative, that you want to solve the problem and work through it, and then everyone passes the finish line together. Um, Striker's a very, very collaborative uh, environment, um, very team-oriented, um, and so coming across that way initially is very important. I would say this is kind of a small one, um, but I found it to be pretty important is everywhere you go, um, especially for meetings, uh, bring a pen and a paper, especially in the beginning. Because when you have a, an initial meeting with someone and you bring something right on, it shows I'm here to learn I'm, and I'm serious. Um, it's very tiny, but it says a lot. And then I think, um, and this is something that I, I learned is, and I think GMOs probably won't have an issue with it, is corporate America has kind of gotten into this very email-centric arena and strikers actually got kind of got a movement going where they're trying to get away from that um, because it's almost too email centric and you can lose communication through it and so I recommend you know when you're first starting out give someone a call like if you you get something in email and you don't understand don't just email back to compound the lack of communication pick up the phone I can't tell you how many times I've called someone if they've said thank you so much no one ever calls <laughs> and they were like, this is great. Um, and they've always really, really appreciated it. That's so funny. We do that in our office. <laughs> well, it's a small office, right? You're in a big place. Yeah. <laughs> we, I, can see, I can see people through my glass doors in my office. And I get an email. Like, why don't you just come over? I think sometimes they, do, they don't want to interrupt me, right? Yeah. But yeah, I was like, why don't you could have saved yourself a lot of time just like coming over and yeah. asking me the question. Yeah. Oh, I completely, we call completely understand. I was going to say, we call globally. Like, I just called someone in I Ireland this morning, and I, you know, I got an email, and I was like, you know what? I could email her back, but I think it's going to be crystal clear if I call. And, you know, she was just like, thank you so much. This is great. I don't need, you know, we're good to go. It was a five-minute phone call, and I have a feeling if I emailed, it might be like a 10-reply email just to get it right. communicated. <laughs> right. Get solved, I think, get it done. Well, um Lydia, we, we, I know you've got had a lot of people that have influenced you to get you where you are today. Um, you know, I've met, I've actually met some of your, a uh, couple of your professors from Tulane. Um, I've talked about your family before. If any, 
can you think back to any of them? Like what's the best advice that you've ever received? And would you be willing to share that to our listeners, what that is? That's a tough one. I've received some, some good advice. It was Captain Weileman. He was uh, my captain on my first boat, USS Port Royal out of Pearl Harbor. Um, and I brought in something, a report to him. It was something related to the guns. I was a gunnery officer, and it was something that had not gone particularly well. Not terrible, but it didn't get us exact, the exact result we wanted. And and I brought it to him, and I was kind of... <laughs> I was kind of, you know, a little apprehensive about it, but I was explaining it. Um, And he was talking to me and he said, you know, you may not always reach perfection, right? It's not always a guarantee. You may not always get 100%, but you always want to strive for it. And that's always stuck with me. And I always take that with me um, into every day, you know? So don't, basically, don't beat yourself up if, you don't make the A on the test or you don't launch the product at the right time or you don't, you know, goal exactly how you want to meet it. Um, That's okay, but don't let that get you down to the point that you don't keep striving um, and you don't develop that grit um, to move Mm -hmm. through, you know, both your personal life, your spiritual life, your work life. I mean, I think it can be applicable um, in a lot of different arenas. Um, but that's something that it kind of taught me to stay positive and it also taught me to just maintain my goal. It's hard, you know, I think that you, you, it's hard to not focus just on like, hey, this is what the result that I got. And then let right. you use that result to measure your self-worth. And you mm-hmm. can't, I think what you're saying is don't let that strive for your best, strive for excellence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let the result, sometimes you got to let the result to be what it is. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I don't know, it's kind of corny because I know people think Tony Horton's corny from P90X, but I, <laughs> back in the day, I did a bunch of Tony Horton P90X and I loved his, his saying, Hey, do your best and forget the rest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, I, I get it from the workout standpoint. Uh, I, I would add one other thing, like do your best. And then it's what you do next that matters. Correct. Yeah. It's, so it's even in business here and I've been, you know, I've made mistakes, I've missed goals and my boss comes down on me, whatever it may be, or I miss mm-hmm. an expectation. I get disappointed and I've got to mm-hmm. allow myself to be disappointed and miss that. But then it's like, okay, what's the opportunity here? What's mm-hmm. the opportunity here to, to move, to become better and not beat mm-hmm. myself up for the result. You know, since mm-hmm. you're an A player, you're at a company with a bunch of A players, or we're recruiting a bunch of A players, most likely a lot of people are striving for perfection and get mm-hmm. their self-worth tied up in whatever the result is mm-hmm. instead of, okay, did I do my best? What do I know? What, can, what do I do next? Is what I do mm-hmm. next that counts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And positivity is, is a big thing here. Um, we do a strength finder test here at Stryker. It's as soon as you start, you do it. And it's huge topic of conversation. Anyone you talk to, any new person you meet in a business meeting, you talk about your top five strengths. Um, And I love it because knowing yourself and knowing, you know, how you work with others and what, what your style is, um, 
my top my top strength is positivity um and sometimes you'll find other people like if they don't miss their goal you know they really are down the dumps like you said that type a personality um and so developing that positivity or having a positive person in the group really can help help something like that it's great well lydia i know you got to run you got a meeting you got to go to um, I want to thank you for, for taking 45 minutes today. I know the whole podcast didn't listen to the last 45 minutes, but we chatted a little bit <laughs> in the beginning. Thank you for being a part of this and um, bringing your value of what you've learned and what you've done at Striker to our listeners and, and uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Joel.